This podcast is brought to you by Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Well, let me introduce to you our very good friend of many, many years. This is Kelly Castleman, um, his wife, Kara, and their beautiful children, Alex and Logan. Um, Thank you for coming and being with us. Uh, How many of y'all were here last Wednesday? Good. If you weren't here, how many of you listened to the podcast? Okay. If you were not here, I'm going to encourage you to go listen to the podcast because we're on limited amount of time, okay, because we have children's ministry going over there and we want to be respectful. And so um, listen to the podcast. That's going to get you caught up because we're going to kind of jump right back in in the middle of it this week. And... um, I wanted to give you a little background is that Kelly was given a gift as a child. Um, most people, you know, in, in Ephesians 4, Jesus said, I gave, give gifts to men and women, and he gives, you know, apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers. There's also spiritual gifts, and one of those is the gift of discerning of spirits. Um, in the Old Testament, they called it a seer. And uh, there's quite a few references. When I was studying this week, I looked it up, and in the New Living Translation, there were 22 different times that the word seer was used. Uh, Not just in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, we know that um, Paul and John and different ones of the apostles also had visions from the Lord. They had dreams, um, and we're going to talk about some of that tonight, but uh, many of you have experienced things that you may not have understood what was going on. Not all of us have this gift, but we can all receive from whatever gift God has given to us Amen. as the church, right? Amen. This is a gift that God has given. So um, we're going to jump in with that, and Matt's going to kind of help me with this as we walk through it. Matt also operates in that gift um, on a level, and Kelly has been a great encouragement to him through that. So uh, one of the things, um, and I'm going to encourage you because if you haven't read his book, Uh, I'm going to keep referring back to it because we cannot do this justice in two Wednesday nights. Um, The book really gives a history of his life, which is so interesting because most of us think, oh, well, he's just been this great spiritual man of God, you know, born into this awesome Christian family. Exact opposite. The Lord blessed him as a child and gave him this gift in an ungodly environment And uh, it took a long time for him to really realize what this was and how to use it and um, what the the purpose for the body of Christ was. So uh, in the book, you talk about the spirit of fear a lot. Mm -hmm. Tell us about the spirit of fear. Is that something that we all deal with? (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. Um, And, you know, certain people, you know, they, they deal with it more, um, but it, it is something that we all deal with. It's, like, it's kind of like there's a, a demonic entity. Uh, it's um, that, I mean, we, we deal with it in relationships. We deal with it in our workplace. We deal with it in, you know, situations uh, that, in, in, and often it doesn't even call for fear. Sometimes people they experience like a great deal of fear and there's absolutely no, there's no danger, there's nothing going on around them, but they just experience this fear. And um, 
there's also a spirit of deception that usually comes before the spirit of fear because that deception is what is part of that little voice we hear in our mind uh, that starts us on the path of thinking about things and starts us on the path of, you know, I talked earlier in a meeting that we had uh, that, that we start, we get this idea and then we play this little movie in our head and then we start, you know, what Satan wants is for us to just buy the ticket to the point where we start actually acting it out. And fear is one of those things. Um, I started realizing when I was a kid, you know, kids experiencing fear. I mean, you guys, you know, in school, I know it sounds silly, but you know, you're getting ready to take a test and you're not quite prepared for the test, you know, and that spirit of fear come upon you, you know, and you're just like, yeah, I'm not really ready for this test. And, you know, but you know, it's an important grade, you know, it means a lot. And so that spirit, you know, comes into play there. Um, and, and it's not like overwhelming, but in your life, if you let that play out, you won't prepare for anything. You just kind of haphazardly go through things and you're never prepared for a job interview. You're not prepared for, you know, college. You're not prepared for whatever the situation may be. And so these, those things can follow you. And, um, but fear, you know, it grips some people to the extent that they can't function in day to day life because they've given into it so many times that it's basically they're allowing it. And you have to understand demonic entities, we have to allow them to have that authority in our life. We have to give them the ability. They can't take it. We have to slowly but surely over time allow it to take a greater and greater role in our life until it starts dominating your life until it becomes a driving factor. And, and that's, that's the same thing with a lot of different entities. Um, but the spirit of fear, I mean, you know, kids, you know, I, I, in my book I refer to playing Little League Baseball. And one of the things I, you know, I, I kind of took advantage of was I could see the spirit of fear upon kids when they were batting. I was a pitcher. And so I just throw the ball at them. Because I thought, well, we're going to really enhance this one, aren't we, you know? And, you know, you'd be surprised when you're a little kid, you throw a ball at somebody and it misses them. And the next time they come up, they're like, you know, and, and so, you know, you got them then. It's all done. It's all finished. All I got to do is throw three balls in the, you know, in the right spot and we're good to go. And so I really, I really took advantage of that when I was a kid, you know, because I couldn't talk to anybody about it. So I thought, well, might as well use it to my benefit here. Uh, one of the things you, you talked about last week, um, and this was really interesting to me, was about uh, when you, certain things would cause those, that demonic activity to enter a room, to enter a place, to, ca- to stir up. And some of the things you named were uh, when people started arguing, and which was his parents, when they were still married, when they would begin to argue, he saw a lot of demonic activity begin to stir. Uh, he also talked about when there was alcohol and drugs involved, Ouija boards, he talked about horror movies. Um, he tells that story in here. Also, one thing I wanna to touch on this week, um, you talked about how that demonic activity is more active when people are idle yes. and at night in darkness. So touch on those two things. Well, I mean, you know, we know that the, you know, then the daytime where things are exposed, we don't, a lot of people do things in the cover of night that they won't do in broad daylight. We feel like we can get away with more things. And uh, that's actually spiritually based because 
if it's, it's, a, if it's of the light, it's, it's, it's God. If it's, if, it's of the, if it's in the darkness, then we have been allowed to be deceived in thinking, I can get away with this because it's in darkness. And so we, we think that, oh, that's something we came up on our own. It's really not. It's spiritually based. And it's, it's, um, it's something that we all understand and deal with. I mean, it's just a fact that we do things in the darkness that we wouldn't think of doing in the light or we do things in the cover of darkness. And so um, we, we tend to get braver. And um, I mean, you know, alcoholism, I mean, you know, you know, Pastor Shelley was talking about, you know, the, the demonic entity stirring. What I would notice is, you know, I don't recall seeing my parents drink all day long, but I mean, they would, you know, start fairly early and by the time they got to evening, things had escalated. But it would start off, the demonic entities would just start, just start they would just be around them, kind of, you know, saying little things here and there, but nothing really big. And then you could see when things started moving and you would see more demonic entities enter that area and they would start stirring, they would start moving. And all of a sudden they would almost get, I knew things were getting ready to happen because things were moving really fast. Things were, they, everything started escalating. There was more, there was a more condensed, they were more condensed in there. And so they would move really quick. And I knew that, you know, this is time for Kelly to either step out, you know, go to my room, go out in the neighborhood, go do something else because things were going to get bad here pretty soon. And, you know, it got to the point, of course, they didn't want to listen to me. So I just would, I didn't want to see it all take place. So I would just move away from it. Um, you know, and the sad part is I could have told them what was happening had they, you know, realized that I had that ability, but they, it, it was never really realized in my family. And um, so there, there was nothing I could have said to them. Um, I got, you know, I know it's, it's, it's later on and I'll just barely, you know, you know, touch on it. But I mean, different demonic entities would appear to me and they, I would see them differently. So I knew what I was dealing with. I knew when I was dealing with fear. I knew when I was dealing with deception. I knew when I was dealing with, uh, sexual promiscuity. I mean, I knew when I was dealing with different entities and I, so I knew the direction things were gonna go. And so as a kid, I just moved away from it because I, I had no say in it. So I just kind of bowed out and walked away and realized there's things happening behind these closed doors that I don't wanna know. Okay, so that leads us into talk about the power of the word of God over wow. demons because... Again, he was, he was born into a family that there was no Bible, there was no church, there was nothing spiritual uh, on the, the good side. And so uh, talk about that first experience and then how you began to learn when you were older about the power of the Word of God over demonic activity. Yeah, pretty early in life, and this was God. I mean, if you don't think God directs your steps from an early point, uh, it, it couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, when I went to kindergarten, I grew up in, in, uh, in Southern California uh, in, the, in the early 60s or mid-60s. And so when we went to school, one of the, you know, they wouldn't dare do this now, but one of the things they would do is we had, it, it almost looked like a dog tag. And on the front was your name, 
your address, your phone number, and your parents' name. So if, if a kid got lost, I mean, because we went to pretty big schools, if a kid got lost, they would, you know, they would know your address was, they could take you home. Of course, this is you know, a long time ago when they did stuff like this. And, uh, and, or they could call your parents and they'd get in touch with them and say, hey, you know, so-and-so you know, got lost and we have them, we're gonna take them home. Um, but on the back, they were blank. And my personality, I don't make decisions very easy. So I, people go, what do you wanna do? What do you wanna eat? I'm like, I don't know, what do you wanna do? Um, and so my kindergarten teacher was probably the first person that got a, uh, that significantly spoke into my life as a, as a Christian. Um, and she's, you know, she goes, Kelly, do you know what you want to put on the back? And you know, you got a list of 20 things and I'm thinking, I have no idea. I have no clue in the world. And she goes, let me pick one for you. So she picks this, you know, Bible verse, uh, Psalms 23, one, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me in paths of righteousness. And I, you know, at the time I'm going, okay, she picked for me. Good. This is good. I don't have to make a decision. And so, you know, as a kid, you know, I'm looking at things and, and you know, people would go, hey, let me see your dog tag. And they're like, yeah, yeah, turn it over and they start reading. I'm going, that's nice. I didn't know anything about it. I've never been introduced to it. Uh, I'd, I'd never really been to Sunday school or anything like that. I just didn't know much about it. Um, but what you have to understand is at that point in my life, demonic entities, I, I, I can't recall seeing, you know, anything on the light as far as light, but I saw a lot of darkness. And so I was around demonic entities all the time. I, and I mean, when I say all the time, I mean, when I went to bed, when I woke up, when I walked through the house, when I, I mean, didn't matter what I did. The only relief I actually got was when I went to school and there seemed to be a calmness there, like a, I don't know, there was like a some type of hedge of protection there. I just didn't know. And I realized later on in life, it was my teacher that prayed over the classroom and I just didn't know that. And so, um, the, but the, the Bible verse was Psalms 23, one. Um, I don't even know, the first time I did it, I don't know why exactly I did it, but I, I know I was scared because something was going on in the household and I knew it was getting ready to happen. I knew things were gonna erupt. And so I'm grabbing, you know, for whatever reason, I drive, grab my dog tag and I, and I just start thinking and I said, Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me in paths of righteousness. And, and these demonic energies just froze and looked at me like, what did he just say? And so I'm looking at them and I've never seen this before. And so to me, this was brand new. And so I was like, you know, as a, like a six-year-old kid in kindergarten, five-year-old, six-year-old kid, I said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall I want. He leads me in paths of righteousness. <laughs> and they're just like, and they stop. And, and so I didn't know what it was, but that was the power of God's word. I, I had no idea what I was wielding there, but when I said the words, and I believe it was out of my own innocence. I believe I was a child. I believe that the Holy, you know, the Spirit in, in a way, it was, in a certain terms was with me because of my innocence. And so when I, when I pulled these words out that I didn't understand the power of the time, but I knew they affected the, the atmosphere around me. I knew they affected things to the point where my family would almost stop arguing to a point and I, or whatever they were doing. And, and these demonic entities would just like all stop. And 
So I was like, this is a good thing. I like this. And so I started, you know, utilizing it again and again. And, you know, they probably got tired of hearing it because they didn't, you know, work. I don't think they even understood what I was doing because I sure didn't understand what I was doing. And, um, but that's the power of, the, of God's word, of, of God's pure word spoken from basically the innocence of a child. You know, the Bible talks about childlike faith. And I knew after that first time that when I spoke these words with childlike faith, I knew these words had power. I didn't know where they came from. I knew whatever that was, Psalms 23.1. I don't even know what it was. I didn't know it was a Bible scripture. I didn't know it was a reference. I just knew that these words gave me a power that I'd never understood before. And I mean, it was the only words I had. It sounds kind of ridiculous, um, but it was, the, it was the words I used until I was about 16 or 17 years old. It's, it was really the only weapon I had, spiritually speaking. I didn't understand it. I just knew it worked. Yeah. And I mean, again, that's a whole other sermon series about <laughs> <laughs> the Sorry. power of the word against, um, you know, oppression. Pastor Stormy just finished a whole series on dominion and the dominion we have. Uh, that you can listen to. Um, And just real quick before we transition to some ministry time, uh, when Kelly says in the book, he talks about that he never saw angels at the beginning when he was young, because I I just figure it's probably because there weren't really any, a whole lot of Christian people that he was, he wasn't around except for his kindergarten teacher. And then various, just very few times until he got to be an older teenager, did was there ever any angelic activity? Now, that's a lot of what you see, and the Lord has allowed you to see into that realm and right. recognize angels, and um, that each one of us have angels. And just talk to that for just just a minute or so. Yeah. So you know, I told you know Pastor Matt and Pastor Shelley earlier that I really felt, and this is, I still feel this way, that I was shown the demonic side because I think God knew that I needed to understand that part, that, and not that he, you know, because that's what we deal with in the world. When we go out into the world, that's what we're dealing against. So he wanted me to, I think, I believe, to understand what it was I was up against, and really, honestly, once I understood my authority, I, he wanted me to understand how simply we can deal with these entities, how, how incredibly simple it is. Um, and then so, like Pastor Shelley said, when I first started seeing angels, um, and actually I reference this as well in the book, and because and, before I was 17, I didn't really... I, if I saw anything, I didn't really acknowledge it. Didn't and had no idea because I, I had seen it so few times. But um, when I was, uh, I had gone to some Christian concerts uh, with uh, Harvest Ministries in California, and you know, you guys, you know, relate with me here, guys. I'm, you know, you got to help me out here. You know, all I knew at these Christian Harvest Ministry concerts was there was a lot of people, a lot of kids my age, and there was a lot of girls. And I was like, this is good. I have music, and there's girls, and this is free. That's the trifecta. I'm good. This works. And so when I first started going, that's what brought me there. I was like, this is all good. I like this. Well, I started realizing after a while that, you know, this is, 
you know, they're, they're saying something here. They're doing something here. And so, you know, one of the, uh, one of the ushers, you know, he said, you know, we, we have church on Sunday morning. Man, you ought to come and check it out and see what that's about. And I was like, look at my friend. And my friend's going, no, no, no. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds, I would like, I'm going to come. And so I decided I was going to do this. And so I, I came to church and, and the congregation to this church I went to was about 10,000. And so I'm, you know, parked in the North 40 walking up and I'm walking up to the building and they have, uh, you know, several sets of double doors. And, and I'm walking up and I see these, you know, ushers at the door, greeters, and they're greeting, they're greeting people. And, um, but I see these guys standing with them and they're like, I don't know, eight feet tall, nine feet tall. And I'm going, Lord, those are some big guys standing there. And the closer I got, I was like, I don't think that's a guy at all. And so I stopped, I just stopped and I'm staring. I was probably no, yeah, I was probably like, I don't know, 25 yards, you know, 75 feet, maybe a little closer than that. And, and one of the ushers, you know, they start talking and I'm just staring. And so I'm like, okay, get it together. You're good, everything's good. And so I start walking in and the, the usher, he stops me and he said, do you see it? Do you, can you see him? And I was like, no, no, can't see anything. And he goes, you saw him, didn't you? And I was like, no, I didn't see nothing, you know? Because in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, when I was a kid, they, they gave me pills when I saw things, you know? And they said, you know, you need to take these. These will help you. And so I was like, nope, don't see nothing. And he goes, what do they look like? He goes, I'm always curious. I know there's one with me because we have other seers. And, you know, I, was, I never asked them, what do they look like? I'm thinking, you're really talking to the wrong guy here. I, I'm really not the right person. He goes, man, let me get somebody to talk to you. And I was like, oh, great. You know, here they come. Um, Pastor Fred Farley, um, it, it was his, he will always be beautiful to me. He's the one that taught me my authority. He's the one that taught me what my gift was. He's the one that basically told me I was worth something. I wasn't an idiot. I wasn't crazy. I wasn't destined for a psychiatric hospital, that what was given to me was a gift from God. And so he explained things to me. And painstakingly, over a long time, he explained things. Um, And then as I started seeing more angels, I started realizing different colors were relevant. Just like the rainbow is relevant, there was different colors that I associated with these angels that were relevant. And at first I thought, you know, this guy's a greeter and this angel that's with him has a, has a green rope or a green belt. And, you know, I wonder what that is. And then I started noticing people that functioned in that, a lot of them had green accessories. And I thought, that's a gift of, gift of helps. So if, you know, so that color started, relay, I started understanding. And then I started, I'd look at, you know, Pastor Greg Laurie and Pastor Fred Farley and, you know, Pastor Shelley and Pastor Stormy and, you know, I would say, I would, I would notice there was uh, red or burgundy with them. And I was like, this is relevant. I'm, I'm, supposed to, I'm supposed to comprehend this. And I realized that was a gift of ministry. And what I realized, there's different shades of red, so none of which are pink. Um, sorry, I just had to throw that out there. Um, and uh, yeah, so does my daughter. My daughter likes pink. Um, but these different shades of red going from red all the way up to a burgundy 
were different facets of the ministry. Um, I realized that intercessors have a turquoise color, whether it's a sash or a belt or a rope or, or just some accessory. And so I started realizing this, there's, a, there, there's a pattern here. If I see this color, then I know I have a good idea what their gift is. And, you know, unfortunately, you would, you would see, you know, good, well-meaning pastors, you know, who maybe had a green belt and a sash and they're pastoring a church and they're struggling. And they're like, man, you know, what can you tell me here? And I'm like, I'm like, do I say this or do I not say this? This is not your gift. Your gift is here. But I mean, I always struggled with that, but then I realized when I didn't give words, like when I go around and I give you guys words, um, in truth, and Pastor, you know, Pastor Shelley and Pastor Matt here, they could tell you the exact same thing. And I'm just being honest. It's not, and it's not Kelly, it's God, but I can go to almost everybody. If I, if I just went down the aisle and went to every single person, I, I have no question in my mind God would give me a word. I just don't have a question. And it's not because Kelly's anything. It's because God's that good and God cares that much for you. And God wants you to hear his, from him. And so, and, and sometimes I come up to people and, I, and this, these, like, sometimes I'll get a word. And once I get that word out of my mouth, it just starts flowing like a faucet. And other times I walk to somebody and I have nothing. I'm looking at you going, how you doing? Everything good? I'm good. Yeah, that's good. And an angel will appear to me, and so I've gotten used to what I'll do is I'll, from the appearance and size and color and different aspects of what I'm seeing in the spirit from the angel, I'll start telling the person about themselves, and they're going, how do you know this? The angel's not saying a word to me, I'm just reading what I'm seeing, and and. You know, I can tell where people at spiritually. I've seen people that were in their 50s that had angels that were dwarfed because they just didn't walk. They didn't trust. They didn't understand God. They didn't have a relationship with God. They, they had a religion, but they didn't have a relationship. And then there was other people, kids. You know, these kids over here, some of their angels are six, seven feet tall. Guess what? They stood on God. They've trusted God. Age has no relevance. David... When he went to Goliath, I have no question his angel was seven foot tall at least because he had already conquered the bear and the lion. He had faith. He trusted God. And God said, this ain't nothing. You've already conquered the bear and the lion. This Philistine here, he ain't nothing. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.